millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, before we get the show started, I wanted to let you know we are giving away a bunch of brand new Black Magic gear. Yeah, cameras, switchers, DaVinci Resolve licenses, a bunch of awesome stuff. So stay tuned to learn how you can enter to win free gear from Black Magic, and we're going to tell you all about it later on in this episode. Now cue the music. Hello, and welcome to the 196th episode of Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, screenwriting, and directing. This episode is brought to you by patrons St. Hope and Neil Awesome. I'm Matt Enlow. And I'm Oren Kaplan, and today we are talking about hustling for the holidays. What us freelance filmmakers do... When things slow down, a.k.a. after Thanksgiving. And we are also going to talk about a topic that I had some questions about. Not questions, but a topic that I wanted to discuss about when the appropriate time to call cut is and like how bad a shot needs to be in order for you to, to make the whole crew stop down and restart. Mm, a meditation on maybe the most important yeah. thing we do. Cut, calling action and cut. Yeah. Yeah. Which is actually, yeah, we'll, we'll get to it. I don't want to, no spoilers, but you know. And we might get to a listener question. We'll see. Anyhow, let's dive into this. December, it's like kind of hard to make money. I'm saying in December, you're either making money or you're already done, but that it's nigh impossible to make money, commercially speaking, especially in February and March are pretty darn yeah, hard. I don't. I don't follow that logic, but um, I'll take your word for it. I mean, dear listeners, we'll check in with Oren in February. <laughs> As, uh, Our Valentine's Day special. Like, Get I'll out of like, that hey, news. <laughs> Come record a podcast real quick. <laughs> yeah. but, but, but I think that the point of our holiday hustle special episode is in talking about the ways in which you can plant seeds and generate um, things that are fulfilling, even if they're not necessarily financially helpful immediately. Stuff that, basically, this is your opportunity to play the long game because you've got the time to look towards the future. And so, you know, for every time you're on a job and you're just working like crazy and, like, you don't have any time to work on your screenplay or, you know, figure out the rest of your life or see your friends or live your life in a meaningful way, we're here to remind you that this is a great time to yeah. do that. Yeah, and if you have like a lot of anxiety because you're not working right now, just feel better about yourself because a lot of people aren't working right now. I mean, I know a lot of people are working, especially on TV, but but for those that that aren't, like it's hard. I think we talked on an episode about how anxiety is like the opposite of creativity. And so it's sometimes it's hard to be creative during the holidays because you're kind of like had a few months of great work and now all of a sudden there's nothing. And instead of taking that time and writing, you are desperately trying to find anyone that will hire you. But I'm saying release yourself from that. Wait till next year and work on your script. A hundred percent. 
Yeah, so we, we've got a handful of different things that we're going to recommend and walk you through to make the holidays a little bit more enjoyable. The first one, this is kind of, you know, a little counterintuitive, I would say. But um, I think this is a good time to make money in other ways. Like, this is an okay time if times are hard and, you know, you want to pick up some seasonal work, maybe some retail work, driving Lyft, driving Uber, or just, you know, doubling down in terms of your day job. That's okay. I think that, like, especially when it's, you know, you've got a lot of expenses with the holidays coming and you've got to take care of the yourself for the rest of the year. It's okay to, like, seize the opportunity to make a little extra cash. And so I know that we don't talk about that too much, but, like, survival jobs are a reality for people. And, like, I think it's easy to glamorize all of the other work we do, but it's 100% okay to need money and to make money at this time of year is a is a great idea. In the same way, you know, it's like, you know, you're like a you're like a grizzly bear getting fat before you go into hibernation. Yeah. I I guess I've, I haven't really done that, but it does sound like a good idea. I mean, oh, yeah. Corin, you know, <laughs> a couple pounds. Yeah. But yeah, no, it it for sure. It's interesting to think about because of course you should like if you need money, you should get a job and do whatever you want need to do to, to do that, but but it it is also this time, especially in LA between Thanksgiving and New Year's, where hopefully you have time to be creative. And because so many other people have time off, it's like a really amazing time to set up like your your own production, work on your passion project, shoot your proof of concept, shoot your shorts, even just like get together with friends and talk about the stuff you want to make and try to get inspired. Yeah, 100%. And, and I think we'll get into those other ideas as well. I guess I'm just saying that like we don't talk enough about survival jobs on this show, and I think it's because you and I are so lucky in that we haven't done that in a while, right? But like, you know, like you'll pick up a, a VFX job every once in a while, and like there are plenty of directing gigs that aren't exactly our passion that we take. And I guess especially when the rest of the entertainment industry is slowing down it's okay to i mean i just want to just remind people that it's okay to need money and it's okay to make money in other ways and that especially because there's a lot of seasonal work out there right now picking up a side job there's no shame in that sure and so in the same way that you have to give yourself permission and not beat yourself up to on not working in the film industry it's also okay to not beat yourself up over uh finding another way to make ends meet when you're working in the film industry. Yeah. I often wish that I had a good backup plan, like a good survival job. I'm so, I mean, I'm, I think I probably talked about it on the show. I'm so envious that you like, you can pick up like seeing the effects work if like it's been really slow. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Post stuff is fun. Yeah. It's fun and lucrative and not too far from, your actual passion. Yeah. But it's know? like with anything, like the longer I don't do VFX things and post work, I kind of get unplugged from that community. So people don't really come to me as much for that stuff. But, um, but I am pitching on this commercial now that's pretty much like a VFX commercial. And I'm pit- they commercial, asked me yeah. to pitch on it because of the VFX stuff. So it's like a commercial that we would do make like 70% in post, you know, but yeah, I guess, 
like the other thing you can do, it's not on our list, but that's kind of related is like, it's like honing your other skills, like your non-filmmaking skills. Mm-hmm. Sure. What I'm saying is that like a lot of times as we're kind of inundated in this film world and just like reading and talking and podcasting about like writing and shots and all this stuff, like we lose track of like mm-hmm. painting or music or kind of other things. And Refilling the well, I like to call it. Yeah. 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 Go to a museum, hang out, go to the beach, think about life. Yeah. Okay, enough with the pointless recommendations we're making. Let's move on to something a little more concrete. Oh, come on, or no, I, I I I disagree quite strongly. I think that like you have to have things to write about and find points of inspiration. And I think if you're just consuming media, like if you're just regurgitating what you see on your phone and in movie theaters or you know, at home, like then you're not uh, going to be engaged in what makes art important and meaningful and marketable all at once. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm just saying. I feel like everyone knows that already. Yeah, but look, the I don't think that anyone's going to be like, oh, I had no idea I should make money. <laughs> this is like a friendly reminder episode, <laughs> right? Uh, this is like write everything we're saying on your to do list. Okay, well, so the next thing we have. Writing scripts. We talked about that, right? Write scripts. Um, you know, I think we talk about it every episode. But yeah, this is a good time to do that. Like, uh, your agent's not going to email you back until after Sundance. Orin doesn't believe me. It's true. Right. So um, this is like a good time to like really put a polish on that. Because they're going to come back from Sundance and they're going to be like, oh, man. Orin, you should have seen this year. I saw some incredible films. What do you got for me, baby? Oh, yeah. Speaking of that, how much time should I, like, how many days am I allowed to wallow about all the people I know that got into Sundance this year? Oh, I I find it really exciting, actually. When um, people you know get into Sundance? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's relatively new. It's only been, like, a handful of years. It's something where it's like, oh, it's kind of a version of the your feeling about going to film festivals when you watch something and you're like, oh, that's not that good. You're like, oh, no, like this person who is doing the same stuff that I'm doing and a year ago felt the same way I felt and just like did it is now at Sundance. That's yeah. incredible. How like, can that I can not do make it too. you feel so bad about yourself? Um, because Sundance is this thing that my entire life felt so distant and alien and impossible like knowing that it's real and that you can go there and then your friends have movies there means that you can too it's i genuinely think it's incredible so shout out to all of our friends who made it into sundance and also shout out to all of our friends who whose films didn't get accepted because that is okay too yeah, this is a podcast for the people who got rejected by Sundance. Come on. Um, I think we've had a good number of Sundance. Yes. Uh, we definitely films. have multiple past guests have films multiple. in Sundance in January. Especially shout out to Josh Rubin. Oh, so yeah. stoked. And we're having Josh on in a, in a couple weeks, so I can't wait to talk to him about it. That's a perfect example. Like Josh like directed like stuff for College Humor, like was doing commercials, and then was like, you know what? I'm going to go make a movie and get it on Sundays. I think he talked about it with us on the podcast. He was inspired by other micro-budget filmmakers and then made a movie, and then it got into the best goddamn film festival in the world 
That's electric. And you're not looking in the mirror and saying, Matt, why don't you just Josh Rubin this shit? I, I mean, of course, of course, but I don't need Josh's success to remind me about how much I hate myself. Like, that's a given. <laughs> oh, I like that ju- I just have to look in the mirror and know that, right? Um, and so it's the opposite. You're like, hey, Josh looks in his mirror and hates himself too, and he did it. So can I. And he that is true hate for himself. you, That's Orrin Kaplan. Uh, well, we'll talk about that. I guarantee he'll tell you otherwise. Okay. Well, next. In an impression of Robin Williams. It'll be great. Um, shoot something, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, just shoot it. I'm going to try um, to record something. My scripted hey, podcast. Your script by the end of the year? Yeah. Hopefully, like, next week. Let me tell you this. I think like that end of the year deadline is really powerful because um, I mean, there's something like elemental about it, right? Like you're the world is going to sleep and it's going to wake up in the new year and you want to have planted those seeds. Um, yeah. So I say, go for it. My wife, I realized the movie that we are fundraising for and are going to shoot in a matter of weeks at this point she um, wrote it during Christmas she, break. She finished it on New Year's Eve. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. She's like, I, I just got to have a reason to celebrate tonight. <laughs> well, she did. She was like, I got to get out of here. I promised myself I was going to finish the script. I've got one night left. I'll see you in a couple hours. That's so awesome. And she deep worked it. Yeah. Listen, you know. I wish I had your wife's discipline. Sure, me too. It's a good time to shoot stuff because people are available. And if anyone says, how much uh, money do you have to pay me? Just say, you know, it's everyone is in the giving spirit. Whatever you can give helps. You cut your hair and then they give you a comb. That's how it works, right? The uh, gift of the Maggie. Is that a a reference to some comic book I don't know about? Uh, No, no, that is a classic Christmas story, The Gift of the Magi. Oh, sorry. I'm a a cup. Fair enough. Fair (laughs) enough. Um, Yeah. Well, cool. What else? Rest you wrote here on your list of things to do during the holidays? Yeah. So our good friend, uh, Rebecca Green, had a great email uh, newsletter that I cannot recommend enough to everyone, dear producer, um, uh, about giving yourself time to really recuperate because I think we're all workaholics and we're all obsessed with our own success and futures and livelihoods. And so um, it's easy to get caught up in that grind and you're not going to be as good at like the best artist that you can be if you don't give yourself a minute to rest. So like sleep in a little bit, like we said, refill the well, consume some art, enjoy your family you know, connect with people, wax nostalgic in your hometown if you get if you're going back to your childhood roots, you know, rest yeah. up. Oh yeah, if you are going back home, shoot something there. That's yeah that's the best place. Um I just subscribed to the Dear Producer email list. Dude. I'm not well done. Now I'll know what you're talking about finally. Yeah, she just sends you like a great little blurb and then a bunch of awesome links that you should have read. And even better, she gives you a synopsis of all of those links in case you don't have time to read all of them. 
Well, that's good because I feel like I haven't been distracted enough. I've been working too hard, been too efficient. I need more emails for to more articles because I only have 8,000 tabs open on my browser right now. Here's the thing. These are 10, some 000. of the best ones. Here's, these are some of the best ones. You could, you could not be on Facebook and Twitter and just read her, um, her digest of articles and be good to go. Okay, great. Okay. Yeah, pretty great. So rest, you said. That's just hang out. Oh, yeah. That's what Rebecca Green said. Mm-hmm. We should just do nothing. Yeah. That is not my recommendation. It's the number uh, one recipe for getting nothing done. Listen, you can set a timeline for yourself. It's not like you should rest until Valentine's Day. Yeah. For me, it's like you look at how much money you made this year compared to how much money you made last year. And uh, for every percent that you made more this year, you can take a day off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And for every percent you made less than last year, you have to work twice as hard for a day. Is that is that a strategy for actually making less money this year? <laughs> no, it's a the next it's year, how you catch I, that up. Sounds like it. It equalizes your years. I see. I see. So you just plateau, is what you're saying? Yeah. Um, okay. Next on the list is something I put, which is re- reconnect with old colleagues. I love this one. Um, and that's something so. You know, when things are slow, I do occasionally go to Facebook and Instagram and see what people are saying. And uh, last week, someone we know uh, posted something on Facebook. They were looking for a contact at Disney that knew a certain thing and did a certain thing. And it happened to be something that I had just done. So I was like, hey, um, I know someone like this. And the person that we both know that I saw on Facebook, they own this big, successful uh video company and so they were like oh Orin, nice to hear from you let's grab lunch i want to talk to you about some other things too and uh thanks for making the connection to this disney person and i made the connection to that disney person and also said you know happy holidays and hope you're doing well and yeah she wrote back to me also and said oh great to hear from you we had a great time working with you and like i have this new project coming up in january i'd love for you to like come and pitch on it so literally responding to this one facebook message now led to two different opportunities you know i mean who knows what will happen with them but and i bet frankly two nice lunches i've been doing a lot of that myself but i think it's kind of in the air because things are slowing down and so like people make the time to do it a little bit more yeah and it's wonderful it's like genuinely it's good to be reminded that like the people that you connected with from you know a couple years ago or even six months ago they're all working and grinding and trying to make it happen just like you yeah have you noticed the traffic is different now than it was like a month ago? <laughs> um, it uh, it will consistently slow down. I mean, there are people who are already out of town who've already gone yeah. back home. But also, so, you'll go to Target at like you know one p.m. on a Wednesday, and it's packed, <laughs> jam packed, full of people. <laughs> sure. Like, what yeah. is going on? It's the middle of the day and the middle of the week, but it's like, yeah, you know, shopping <laughs> for people who don't live in Los Angeles. Uh, it's a funny phenomenon that like it's very very rare that you meet someone who grew up here. You know, and so I, I would say maybe in entertainment, you'll meet like maybe one in 25 as like a, an L.A. local. And that includes like the Valley and even the O.C., I would say. Um, and so people leave people like they, they go home for the holidays. They go back to 
all wherever they grew up. And so... Yeah, LA the, becomes this really quiet, kind of peaceful town in December, yeah. which you know is why we named our daughter Winter. I, I do, and I, I love that so much. Yeah, we actually you know, we always throw a, a big annual Christmas party and we put it later in the year so that um, fewer people would come because it's <laughs> <Right>. got <laughs> it's got a little crowded. But the other thing that's really magical about it is that the later, the closer you put it to Christmas, the more likely that people who are in town will come even if they're not super duper close to us. And then you become closer and you kind of have this like, interesting experience where people who um you know you 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 get to know them better basically because of uh the circumstances of everyone being in town on christmas right yeah um that's the magic of christmas Warren. yeah i'll never know it the other thing just on the same note of reconnecting with old colleagues is like some other thing i i did recently is i basically just made a web page on my website that has all my work from 2019 and I've been emailing it to producers I've worked with over the last year. And I said, hey, hope you're doing well. Just wanted to send you kind of some of my recent work, including the work we did together. It would be great to work again on something in the future. And I'm finding because because it's December, these people are responding to me like right yeah. away. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they've got more time. So wait, how many episodes of Just Shoot It are on the page then? Um, uh, 50? 50? 50? <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. 49.50, somewhere in that range. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I no. can't wait to hear what uh, producers like best. But yeah. And then, so let's talk for a second, because I bet you have way more definitive opinions about this than I do. But like, what's the deal with gifts? Do you get people gifts right about right around now? The best received uh, gift baskets I've ever sent to any company are always, I'll do pressed juices. I'll do like a bunch of press juices. I also, it's important to me that um, when I send gifts to a company that there's enough that you can share it with the office. Because if you just send like, you know, an executive, like a nice bottle of scotch or something like that, you know, having been lower on the totem pole, oftentimes they're just like, uh, you know, I'm not going to drink this garbage. Right. It's, it's black label. And then like they hand it out to the assistants or whatever. And then it, there's like a little bit of like competition between people. I just want everyone in the office to be like, oh boy, who gave us these juices? Oh, Matt Schmenlo? Don't right. know him. And then enjoy their, you know, I prefer seeing a bunch of uh, drunk assistants walking around. Um, <laughs> what? So other than me, who are you sending gifts to? Hmm. Um, I oftentimes I'll send, send one to my agent, but I like to do it actually after they're back from the break. Okay. Um, because it's a little easier to be memorable then. Um, I will send cookies to offices. I usually send them to college humor. It's been kind of a while since I've been over there. So like not enough people would recognize my name anymore <laughs> for it to make sense. Um, not that I don't think they're great, but you know, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I it's um because it can get expensive too. You know, like a cookie basket, like cookies and milk, which I think is a really fun one, or a bunch of uh cold pressed juices. That's going to be at least fifty bucks plus a delivery fee. Yeah. So you know, it adds up fast. But I um, guess I don't the maybe kind of the unifying theme of everything we're talking about here is that 
it, the holidays are just like a great excuse to reconnect with people. You know, someone you 100%. worked with in the past, someone you almost worked with, someone you met at a party and they said, oh, we should talk at some point and then you never talk to them. Like it's the holidays. It's like a good time to say, hey, just wanted to say happy holidays, check in with you, you know, give you a, a summary of my year or whatever. And it's, um, I mean, obviously be genuine and not pandering and not weird, but yeah. uh, but it's, it's a good time for that. Uh, another thing. A hundred percent. I would say I've been on a streak of like seeing a lot of people for coffee and it's really, um, you seem really caffeinated. Yeah. I'm like so jacked up, but no, genuinely, like it's been really nice to like see people and, um, connect with them and it's been fun. Cool. Glad one of us is having fun. Um, you should go to more coffees. I will say, uh, there was an old sketch group of filmmakers that now are still still working plenty um called team tiger awesome and they sent oh, yeah. uh adam films adam.com the old company that i worked at uh, a gift basket and i remember they sent um a bunch of condoms with uh their business card safety pinned through the center of it oh that's funny and it was so oh boy it was so funny yeah it really made me, i mean that's like a 10 year old joke it's so funny yeah um, well, let me ask you this, the question that I is always on my mind. Do you think not sending a gift, like you don't send your manager or your lawyer or like a producer or a company work with a gift, do you think that is a negative thing? Like is sending the gift just kind of saying like, hey, I appreciate our relationship and I want, I'm showing it to you by sending you a gift and wishing you happy holidays or is it a mandatory thing in Hollywood to send gifts? I think that... Um places like like uh law offices and agencies they get sent so much stuff that i think it's pretty easy to not be noticed you know like there's just the conference room is just filled with gift baskets and so like there's so many people sending so many different things that they kind of just are like you know, every agent is like, oh my God, I'm getting fat. I got to put this gift basket in the conference room and let the, you know, un- interns we barely pay, you know, get to eat the shortbread cookies that some, that Enlo delivered or whatever. So like, I think that you, they're, they don't hold it against you, but if like you're thoughtful and smart and like send something good, you know, who doesn't like receiving a gift that is nice, you know? Yeah. Uh, that's why, that's why I like to do it uh, in the new year actually is because you get to stand out a little bit more and mm-hmm. um you know you get to think through like oh what what worked really well like what did my friend get that they were talking about you know i think flowers are really nice potted plants are really nice things that last you know i think people genuinely like uh hollywood is in surprise surprise an image conscious town so like if people know that they're going to be eating and drinking more than normal like they kind of don't want a bunch of sweets right well this year i mostly so i already sent all my gifts out to everyone and i basically just sent them uh just shoot it podcast hats Uh uh-huh yeah yeah and like a heavy creamer just to like with sugar (laughs) to drink right yum (laughs) along with a hat yeah 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 or maybe some butter just saying like liquid fat is what i'm getting at here or okay (laughs) i was like didn't you hear what i just said um uh anyway okay Let's move on to our final thing that you put on this list. So important, yeah. you put an exclama- exclamation mark at the end of it. It's my favorite thing to do. Watch movies. Yeah. 
So yeah, you don't think people should watch TV at this time of year? I think you can, certainly. If you want to watch some TV, you can. But I think that the um, wonderful thing about this time of year is that there are finally good movies to go see in the movie theater. Mm-hmm. Frankly, like I've been doing the pretty well. Award season. Award season. Yeah, exactly. And and also finally this year, more than any year in, in previous memory, there are finally tons of great movies to see. Like there's a there's so much worth seeing that's that's worth your time and is memorable and important and interesting, and that people are going to be talking about and referencing for the next year if not 10 you know that like it's time to catch up on the farewell if you didn't catch it or like the irishman or parasite if you haven't seen if you haven't seen parasite you're gonna look like an asshole in a meeting in the next six months yeah because someone some young executive is gonna be like oh man i love that so much it kind of reminds me of that moment in parasite when you realize oh my god this happened blah, 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 blah. and then and you you'll just have to kind of look like a sphincter You'll just have to like your eyes will glaze over and you'll be like, yeah, yeah, sort of like that. Or like um, this other movie that I have seen. Yeah. I saw an excellent movie last night. Oh, what'd you see? 1917. Oh. Sam Mendes. Fuck yeah. Wait, did you see an advanced screening? It's not released yet. No. Screener. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. I will look. So that's the other thing is that these movies are floating around Hollywood. So like if you have a friend who's in uh, Screen Actors Guild, PGA. They get all the best screeners. Uh, You'll be shocked. DGA, what? By how amazing the selection is in the Costume Designers Guild. Oh, interesting. Sure, yeah. Yeah, uh, that's might or might not be where, where I got sure, sure, the sure. screener from. Uh, um, and I have some really good ones in the queue. Are you disappointed that you didn't see that in see the theater? That, see it on the big screen? Yeah. No, because I really enjoyed it. I mean, I watched it in my living room. It's, it. I think you people would love it in the on the big screen. And what I my favorite part about it is, I think it's a movie you could watch with like your grandpa and your nephew and your yeah. niece and your sister. You know, and um, they everyone would love it. It's, uh, I just it's just really simple. I, and so I of course I mean you can't if you're a filmmaker you cannot watch that movie without immediately watching the behind the scenes featurette because i don't know if our listeners know about this movie but it's from sam mendes the same guy that did american beauty and revolutionary road and all these amazing films um but it's a world war one film and it's all done in one continuous shot it's like a you know two uh, an hour and a half movie or something yeah um and it just follows these two characters through world war one and uh i in the behind the scenes featurette, Sam Mendes was talking about how he just was trying to find his next movie and he would get scripts and he would read books and he just couldn't find his next movie. And it's just, I like hearing that because it makes me feel good about myself because I'm always like trying to figure out what my next project is, you know, big project is. And to see someone that's like, you know, one of the top uh, directors, actors in the world not being able to find a pro a project he can get excited about um is refreshing and so i guess his like producing partner was like hey why don't you just write a movie and he's like i i'm not a writer i'm a director i don't write and she's like you don't have anything to write about he's like well my grandpa used to tell stories about world war one I, I guess it can be kind of interesting and he just found 
you can tell it's like a director's movie because the premise that he came up with is it's like fiction takes place during mm-hmm. World War One, but it's really simple. Um, but it's done in just this really cool way, and it's emotional, and it's the choreo- uh, the, the the cinematography and the choreography. But uh, for sure, Roger Deakins, I think, will win the Oscar for this, or at least be close to winning it. Um, and the whole movie is like barely lit at all because they're just running around just shooting running around. insanely yeah. long takes. So anyway, 1917. But yeah, so many good movies. I can't wait to see Jojo Rabbit is on my list. Um, yeah. And I'm going to watch Ford versus Ferrari, which is another movie I think that like an entire family w- would enjoy together. Yeah, I, I saw that at one actually. And it, I think in a, a weaker year, I think people would be talking about it more. It's definitely worth worth watching. There's a few scenes that are genuinely great, and I think the performances are really interesting. But yeah, like like having these conversations is, you know, so fun. So why not go see some movies? Yeah. Um. Yeah. Well, cool. So hopefully you're set for the holidays. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So maybe let's move on to our next topic. Uh, when to call cut? And so I'll tell you why. Before yeah. we do that, but oh, yeah. before we move into our next, uh, yeah. So I think that's great. Um, I think we've we've solved everyone's uh, listless holiday anxiety, and they get to enjoy their family and their friends and their art a little bit more. And let's move on to our next. Topic. Before we get into our next topic, I just wanted to remind people that we have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash just shoot it pod. It's actually been really popular. We need to we need to in- engage with our patrons more. I feel like. Because they're so yeah. awesome. Yeah, and we I, we've been really fortunate uh, with a, a growing community of people who are supporting the show, and we do want to figure out a good way to get back. Maybe um, I feel like we get hit up for notes on reels and short films all the time. Maybe that's a thing worth doing. Yeah, if you're a patron, you want some notes or feedback or anything, uh, then let us know. You can even even if you want, you can email us your script or your short. And then email us separately and tell us, hey, we don't really care what your opinion is, but we want you to say it's really good so we can show it to somebody else that said sure. it's not good. And we want to tell them like, hey, these I'm podcast happy, hosts think it's good. So it must happy be Happy to do that. Yeah, happy we will lie. Whatever you want. Yeah. Um, for $1 a month. <laughs> yeah, nothing super long or just we won't have time to get to it. But uh, but shorts, short scripts, reels, that's a perfect uh, Yeah perfect runtime for our attention and and if you have sent us some and we haven't responded to you yet we apologize but we will uh but i will do want to remind people if you pledge ten dollars a month even if it's just for one month we will mail you a hat but i feel like i must say this because i've run into quite a lot of gymnastics issues and customs things at the post office uh we will mail you the hat at our expense if you live in the united states uh, if you live in a different country, we might need to figure out the postage a little bit with you first, just because I have routinely spent like $30 mailing uh, a $10 hat and $5 worth of packaging for someone who uh, has pledged $10 and then their credit card doesn't go through. So the net net profit of negative $40. Um, Listen, Oren, if you thought podcasting was a money-making prospect... yeah. Uh, You're a real chump. Okay. Anyway, patreon.com slash just shoot a pod. We really appreciate it. Uh, Check it out. And back to our show. 
So this next thing I wanted to talk to you about, Matt, is when to call cut. As a director, you know, we teased this at the beginning of the episode. A lot of people think of our jobs as saying action and cut. And I think one of the things that people learn early on in their directing career is that they shouldn't say cut too fast uh, at mm-hmm. the end of a take because you you always want tails. There's no harm in having extra s- stuff at the end of your take, but there is harm in not having enough of a tail end to your take. So saying cut late, I think, is something that, that most people do. Uh, but what I wanted to talk to you specifically is based on an experience I had last week where I was filming a bunch of stuff and I was filming with kind of, I guess what you would call celebrities or high profile people. Um, and we had them for a very limited amount of time and they were film professionals. So they really knew what was going on. And there mm-hmm. were a couple shots that we were getting that I felt like were not great in terms of um, like the lighting, but I, felt like we had been filming for a few minutes before I really appreciated how much I didn't like the lighting that I, that I felt like it was too late to call cut. So mm-hmm. I, I know even when I'm just doing a short film or when I'm doing like an action scene or when I'm doing a comedy scene, uh, sometimes someone messes something up in the beginning of the take, but then the rest of the take is going well. And I'm like, oh, let's just let it play out. Uh, so I guess I'm curious, like, do you have kind of a strategy of when you call cut? Like, like if a take is like 80% good, do you just let it keep going? Or are you one yeah, of those I people mean, I, that, that calls cut? Like, if somebody messes something up right in the beginning, you're like, hey, let's just take that from the top. I think there's two different things you're talking about. I think there's the, the situation where people are improvising or answering a question. And so it's hard to repeat things, right? And and especially that especially is tricky when it's like high profile talent, um, and they're just used to being the boss. Effectively, that's separate from uh, a situation where you know exactly what you need to get. So, starting with the second half first, if it's something where I know that the problem is going to ruin the rest of the take, I call cut as soon as I possibly can. So like the uh, the best example is like someone's collar is flipped up weird. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And like you're worried that like, oh, this actor is really like putting their heart and soul into things and they're getting going and they're they're building momentum and you're like, oh, should I let them keep going or whatever? If they're Yeah, what if you're 80% up, into the take and then you notice their collar is flipped up weird? Do you let them go all the way to the end or do you just cut it? At 80%, how long is the take overall? Is um, eighty is it 80% of a 10-minute take? No, it's 80% of like a 30-second take and this take has a dolly move that starts at the beginning and is pushing uh, in the entire time. And maybe you didn't notice it at first because you started 80% really wide. is a really hard time. I would say 60 70% and before, I call cut. Because you're wasting everyone's time. And like, you know, you're wasting their energy too. And like, they're professionals. They'll get back into it. I think you just say, hey, cut. I'm so sorry. Uh, let's fix your collar real quick. Maybe I'll just do it real fast. You were doing so great. I'd like re- reassure them and I'd say, okay, going again right away. Let's do it. Action. Right. Like, just get back into it as fast as you can. When it's something where like... I guess the reason I brought um, up, uh, up the dolly is because I think 
resetting is not so fast. Resetting is like a two minute mm-hmm. thing. And also a lot of times, you know, the first take where we're rolling, even though things are being messed up, I kind of want to do it all the way to the end so I can catch any other things that might mess up. Fair enough. If, 90% if it's the, if it's the first take, you're right. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, like getting through a take, you know, oftentimes I'll roll on rehearsal and I'll say, hey, let's make a mistake. And that means that like, you know, sometimes there'll be those great little beats or moments here or there. You'll figure things out. Um, but if we're if we're a couple takes deep and I realize there's something that makes the take unusable, I'll I'll cut sooner than later. Yeah. Right. I guess something and, yeah. that happens a lot, and probably happens to you a lot too, but I do a lot of like visual comedy stuff where it's like, hey, you're gonna pop this balloon, all this confetti is gonna fly all over the place. And then this other person is going to walk into frame and, you know, into an over the shoulder shot and say this line. Okay. So they pop the balloon, you know, and maybe we're dolling like around you or something. Um, they pop the balloon, the dolly's moving, the person comes in and they just miss their mark by a tiny bit. And so they're now kind of half covering the person that popped the balloon. But I know resetting this take is going to take us like 20 minutes. We got to vacuum it all up. We got to put the confetti back in. And so I, I don't think I'm, right in this i think i'm actually wrong but i have a tendency to let things keep running and because i like editing a lot and i'm always like well we can use the head of this shot and then the tail and then maybe i'll just like literally off camera like kind of grab like an actor's shirt and like just tug them over to the right a little bit you know like i'll try to well that's different though right like you're fixing things so that there are pieces of it that you can use and what i'm saying is that sometimes you're in a situation where like the balloon pops, but um, the but confetti just, didn't land in where you ex- wanted it to land. Yeah, yeah, or or the balloon is is still whole and is just sl- slowly leaking. <laughs> right, the the shot's ruined. Right, so call cut and fix it. Or, right, and you know the hard thing also is that like sometimes an actor won't be aware of what's causing the problem. Like they're they're stacking and and they they're blocking the person. Right, mm-hmm. so like you keep doing it and you're like, oh, I'm so sorry, keep take a step back take a step back but still mentally they know that they've like done full takes a couple times so it feels like they've done it already right even though none of those shots are actually usable is another thing that you're sort of battling yeah have you ever been at the monitor and you're doing like kind of a longer take it's like a comedy scene and there's like two pages of dialogue and people are talking to each other and moving around and some blocking and the camera's moving and your script supervisor or someone, some producer or some PA that just walked in um, to the room is pointing at the monitor like very violently at something. And you're like, what? You're trying to pay attention to the scene. You're like, what are you pointing at? Like, what are you pointing yeah, at? What's wrong with you? And what they're are you like, doing? there's yeah. a reflection in the glasses. You can see the light. And you're like, I, I've Shut been up. in that situation yeah. so many times. And it's like, okay, there is a reflection. I obviously didn't notice it because you're pointing it out to me. Now I'm not... Hit- paying attention to the actors now i feel like i need to do another take and acknowledge even though maybe it doesn't even matter that there's this reflection there you know like um and those are the situations reflections in glasses is such a perfect example because it's like yeah there are reflections in real life and sometimes you're like yeah yeah. what's being reflected is literally the light the chandelier that we see in the scene it's okay like right but like i feel like sometimes people are just like they're looking for those things and I, yeah. I don't know, but I it's frustrating because really great... I don't know if you need to cut or not. 
Yeah, I, that's a really great example because I I have a, a problem in that I am only I'm I'm looking at the the emotion and the performance and everything else falls away and so I'm the kind of guy who's like calling cut and I'm like we did it that was great <laughs> yeah moving on and, and then, then they're like and then um, your script supervisor's like um there was a giant piece of spinach in her teeth the whole time you can't use that. Yeah, and I didn't see it, and I'm like, we're moving, like, we're moving post. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I, 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 uh, so I would typically I would just go again real fast, um, but also for better or for worse, I'm really good at like making sure that people feel included, and I want to hear the note from the PA, and and you know, it's a it's a team effort and all of that and if someone is like up in my business and they're not they don't have the authority to be i can't help but sometimes i'll throw like some real withering looks and so like if a pa was like pointing at the monitor be like oh there's a reflection there's a reflection the reflection my stink face my, my like backup face or like silent like single finger batting them away Right is um is enough. Unfortunately, brutal. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, and I guess to me, it's like if it's a reflection, something like that, that is not something I'm noticing. Just wait till the end of the take to tell me about it. Hey, by the way, there mm-hmm. was a reflection here. I don't know if you care about it or not. Um, like, don't act like you are giving me the reason to say cut. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because I'm not looking for a reason to say cut. Um, let's talk actually about, I think the, the previous example, because I think we both have had, um, experiences where you're, you're dealing with high end talent, right? You have to treat with kid gloves. Well, you have a shoot tomorrow with someone that's very famous. So famous. In fact, that there's certain ways that this person's reps want you to address them. Uh, what if you're doing a take and you're 20 seconds in and, and you want to adjust something like, is your person tomorrow, your talent tomorrow, someone that you feel comfortable like saying like, hey, let's uh, let's pause that in a, in, for a second, just in the middle of a take. Like, can you take two steps to your left? Sorry, that there's a, a, like a weird light in your face. I think I would probably let this performer finish up. And I'd be like, hey, that's so great. I think we got it this way. Let me just tweak something real quick. Do me a favor and take a step to your left. Um, but that being said, I get two hours with this performer. So like time is money you know like i it for every single take that i do that's not perfect or that i don't stop short it yeah for every take that's not usable um is one less take in a pretty tight window um so you know i think look everybody's a professional and i think you have to like read their their persona you have to do a lot of prep you have to like give them teach them why they should trust you let me ask and, you this. Are you going to have yeah. a stand-in tomorrow? No. Let's, so tomorrow when you're working with this high-profile person, and I think it's probably worth mentioning that this person is very famous, but they are not like an act known to be an 100%. actor. They not are famous media, in, media trained in quite the same way. Yeah. 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 They've been on camera b- a bazillion times, but not uh, as an actor. And uh, are you going to say like, hey, do you mind standing here for a few minutes while we tweak the lights and get everything in position? And then are you going to rehearse it or are you just going to um, kind of roll with it? 
roll with it. Yeah, I think uh, I. Oh, yeah, you sh- you the- filmed with President Barack Obama, which is probably a, that type of person. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the thing about a person like Barack Ex-president, Obama, I guess. Sorry. I, yeah, yeah. Well, they still refer to him as Mr. President. Yeah. Uh, anyway, the thing about him is that I didn't need to say a thing. You know, like I set everything up for him. I was like, "This is camera A. This is camera B." Teleprompter, whatever. I'd worked all of the the teleprompter cues with the person that it's done, and you didn't have a stand of speeches in? with him. No, no, no. He sat down. We adjusted lights for two minutes tops. He nailed it in basically one take. Uh, shook everyone's hand, made a few jokes, and then we all went and took a photo together. Right. Yeah. Because my issue with my person last week was that they. First of all, we're wearing something that did not look good on camera. It was they were wearing their own personal clothes. Mm-hmm. Um, and we didn't really have much control over that. And second of all, while they sat down and I was talking to them and telling them what we were going to do and preparing them for everything, they were looking at me and I was standing kind of to the right of the camera mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. next to the light. And they looked really great looking straight into the light. And right. I left, went to the video village and was like, hey, let's shoot this. Let's roll. And it was, um, you know, a, a long conversation. It was like we rolled for like 30 minutes. So, uh, they, and this is, this is Q&A style, right? So they don't have lines. It's not yeah. like, hey, can we go ahead and take that one again? It's right. a lot harder. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like a teleprompter. They're saying it's kind of like interviewing them in a way. Uh, so then when I was at the monitor, I noticed, hey, when they were looking at me, they looked great. But now that they are not looking where I was standing, they're looking in a totally different direction the lighting is just not looking very good. And I was talking to the gaffer there. Like, does this, the gaffer was trying to convince me that because we're shooting in a log, like, and this looks really dark, we'll be able to brighten it. But, you know, I, I understand enough about that stuff where I know, I know we could do it, but I, I didn't, I couldn't figure out if it was bad enough for us to stop filming and lose all the stuff that we had shot up until then. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I look, we've talked about this a little bit. I think it's a really hard thing for you or in Kaplan because I know that your standards and your ability to articulate those standards and also your experience in how you lo- one loses control of the image chain in post all dictates the fact that things weren't up to exactly what you wanted. But also, I don't think that your average producer or executive would be able to articulate why your footage didn't feel A-plus the way you knew you could make it. Right. And I also knew that it was a a very simple solution. Pretty much like we needed more fill light on this actor. Um, One side of their face was very dark when they looked in a certain direction, which they were looking at a lot. Uh, but I didn't want to say like, "Hey, famous actor person that's we're so yeah. that was hey, Mr. A list on the fence with even yeah. giving us their time. Uh, everything you just did, we're gonna throw away all this deep <laughs> stuff you just said because right. I feel like one side of your face needs to be a little bit brighter. And I also, by the way, don't want to call out the fact that I think what we filmed makes you not look good. You know, <laughs> right, right. I think in that case, and I think you did this. You just sh- shut up. Yeah, and live with it, and and well, I, I kind of interview. made up a sound-related excuse to take a pause, and I had the gaffer adjust a couple things 
during that time, but it was like, it made it 10% better and I needed it 100% better, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that no one will be like, ugh, Oren did a bad job on this. They might blame the DP a little bit, actually. Um, but I think most of the time people just won't. They'll be like, oh, that person's not as funny as I thought. <laughs> right. Or like, oh, that person's older than I realized. Right, yeah. Um, so if the, if that person looks at the footage, they'll be like, well, they need to fix that. I, the problem is, is that like you know that they know they've been on TV or in enough movies that like moving lights around means a they're trying to fix some like make me look better mm -hmm. so i must have looked bad and b none of that stuff is usable so you just have to kind of swallow it right like once you're up and rolling you just you know yeah live with it so the the learning lesson here is uh you know we didn't have like official stand-ins but we were standing in but i was i was standing in for our actors a lot of times so i was like you know, making sure I just wanted to be in the middle of the set. And I was like, oh, it'll right. be helpful if I'm here. But and by me standing in, I'm not like looking at the monitor. <laughs> yeah. It feels like, oh, I'm the perfect stand in. I'm the only one not moving a light around right now. Right. Yeah. Um, but to me, there's some general rules when you're interviewing or filming or working with doing commercials with celebrities or people, especially if they've been around for a long time, which is another way of saying they're a little on the older side. Like, you cannot, your lighting, it cannot be too soft. Like go as soft as you possibly can. Always have lighting equipment that is ready to fill in the shadow side because, you know, maybe you could put like Clive Owen, you know, with one light on one side and he looks so chiseled and handsome and amazing and every wrinkle makes him just adds to his gravitas. But you put Meryl Streep in that same lighting and all of a sudden she looks 10 years older, you know. Um, also the Clive Owen that you're thinking about is from Children of Men, and that came out in 2007. <laughs> Do you know what I mean, though? Genuinely. Yeah. Well, so we had the same issue with, like, male and female actors, especially if you're filming real people that aren't, like, these incredibly photogenic actors. You, like, always just have a bounce on standby, have an extra light, have something, like, above the camera that you can turn on, eye lights. Um, and then my other thing that... Oh, is, hold on. I want to pump the brakes, actually, because I think it's easy to not hear what you were saying, though. It's not just light these people this way. It's like have it on standby, ready to go. Because if a A-lister sits down and you realize, oh, I need some fill, you can't go get a light from the truck. Right. Yeah. If it's you have got, Beyonce you, you sitting have, there and you have her for 10 minutes, you're not going to be like, yeah, setting up turn the on, C stand. You turn the light on and you dial it in on that dimmer and the sound guy's mad at you for using a dimmer and that's fine. Yeah. Oh, can I tell you some other funny thing? I never tell you about this. So we're we're shooting like one of our first people that is not quite as famous as the as the later people. And we're looking up into the rafters of the soundstage and we notice there's like a plank above our actor's head with a bucket on it. And we're like, what is going on? Like the gaffer actually pointed it. He's like, that looks like a vaudevillian like prank. What's yeah, going to yeah, happen? Yeah. Someone like steps somewhere and like this bucket falls on the actor's head. It's like, oh my goodness, that's crazy. So yeah, when the that actor is done, is a, yeah, acting as revenge, the gaffer goes up into the rafters and he takes the bucket away. Then, of course, an hour later, starts raining. We have our next actor no. there, um, a uh, uh, who's more famous and more known, and you you know, um, and. 
all of a sudden he's like, whoa, did you see that? And we're like, no, we didn't see anything. It's like, oh, I, I thought some a water drop fell on me. <laughs> anyway, the entire interview, <laughs> water drop. And the actor after him, and we're like, oh my God, we're so sorry. He's like, oh, it's okay, it's okay. I'm just gonna, like, if I make a weird face, that's why I'm doing it. Because <laughs> it's just a water, a of water hit me. And I was like, well, the next actor is um, the very, <laughs> I'm just gonna say it, it's, it's John Malkovich is the person after you. <laughs> And I was like, do you think John Malkovich is going to mind if this water drops on him? And he's like, uh, I would fix this before yeah, John Malkovich. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, so then we built like a little grip thing that would just in case the water fell down, it would you know mm-hmm. hit this thing instead of John yeah, Malkovich. Yeah, a, little, but, uh, a little water slide. But um, Oh, man, that's so but funny. But all those things... When you are, you know, and it's not just when you have famous people. Sometimes you're working with kids. It's the same thing. You're working with mm-hmm. with animals. You're working mm-hmm. with babies. You're working with, uh, you have to shoot the scene, but the train is, you're waiting for the train to come past in the background. Basically or a anyone or an airplane. whose time is precious. Yeah. Right. Um, so like whether that's their attention span or their availability or their um, good graces, you know, you have to just be dialed in and ready for them. Yeah. So anyway, I know it's kind of we've drifted off from the when to call cut uh, conversation, but uh, I guess it, it kind of is still related in the fact that as directors, we don't want to call cut for a technical reason, mm-hmm. because we know that every time you call cut, it's going to take like five minutes to reset the shot and, and you're wasting time. And people are every time you do another take, people are counting it against you, the director. I, I think there's also another time that's interesting that maybe I have a little bit more recent experience with than you, and that's in the soft scripted space mm-hmm. where you have talent that's not media trained and they're in the middle of an emotional moment of a, of a catharsis, right? right? Maybe there's a surprise involved. Yeah. And I remember very distinctly early on in, in a big job, I am... Um, I'd had a lot of fights with a producer about um, needing more gear. And they were like, no, we're keeping a low profile. We don't have the money, blah, blah, blah. And we had waited for the light to get especially good. And we were going to do a surprise. The whole episode was like leading up to this moment where uh, this woman was um, He's getting proposed gonna to meet her, 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 her long lost family for the first oh, time. Oh, okay. Different. She didn't yeah. know. She she didn't know that she had a brother and a sister and a, a nephew and all these people, and she just kind of found out about them and they didn't have enough money to to meet. And I've got them behind a curtain, right? They're not media trained either. They're so excited. They've just come to Los Angeles for the first time. I've got like a PA on a walkie, and I realize that the sun is just slowly creeping up my main subject. And basically, from her neck down, she's in shadow. And from her neck up, she's in full, full sun. Gold, golden sunlight. And everyone's like, like, I'm just hoping that no one makes a peep. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. they're effectively in the same room. There's a curtain behind them. Right. And my host is doing such a good job of just, like, keeping her engaged that she's only paying attention to her. Mm-hmm. And um, I almost got fired for that shot. Like they still bring it up to me every time I work with them. Oh, because you didn't cut. I didn't cut. Yeah, I didn't cut. I made the decision to keep the emotion going. And it's a beautiful moment, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but uh but yeah i got i got in a lot of trouble yeah no it's hard i i totally relate i did i did a thing i'm pretty sure for the same producers and i also was in a situation that was getting hairy and i didn't want to yell because it was real people talking to each other and i was just kind of waiting to see if it would work itself out and so i never stopped it i never went as a director and inserted myself because i thought this it, we were we were experiencing the story on camera and i regretted not doing not stepping in and and kind of re re yeah. changing the situation but um but yeah no that that I is. actually i have a i have a similar i have the reverse story that i'll tell real quick so uh earlier this year actually so it's january things are nice and slow for everyone and my dp brings in um his favorite team like his A-list team, he was like, I can't believe they said yes, but um, they were free and like they liked me, and so here we are. And uh, we were shooting sunrise for sunset, so the sun is going up, and okay. slowly we're losing all, we're, we're gaining light basically, right? And we realize we're just we're on a close up, and and like we have like a flag telescoped all the way up you know, to its full height. And then I think they even had an extension arm. It's like 25, 30 feet up in the air. And you just, you can see the sun slowly creeping up and like hitting my actor's face. And I was like, I need one more take. And one of the dudes is like, I got you. And he and the key grip are on walkie and he just lifts up the C-stand and just holds it. Like, like I said, 30 feet up in the air. And they like, just like, slowly like ease it in and out just like keying it in as it's going and i like i'll never forget that moment i went over and shook his hand the minute we called cut it was the true hollywood yeah hollywood um that's awesome can i can i tell one last story too sure um so my wife kara she used to be on this show on mtv called disaster date and one of the things they did on so what she would do is she would go on dates with these guys and it was all hidden camera. They had no idea that they were on camera. They were would go to restaurants and they'd have dinner and she would mm-hmm. be hit there. The guy's friend would set it up. It's like a whole big prank. And it was like, they had all these one-way mirrors in the in the restaurant so they could film it. Um, and, you know, it was like, uh, there were microphones hidden everywhere. And the guy that she was on the date with is the only person that doesn't know they're on camera. So, of course, they're filming this whole thing and they, they try to, think ahead and they know exactly where he's going to sit and all that stuff, but they have no control of if he's going to move in the booth or what he's going to do. And they can talk to mm-hmm. Kara on her like earwig. They can say like, Hey Kara, move to your right. Or Hey Kara, tell him to sit at the edge of the booth, like come up with a reason to move him or like grab his hand and pull him over here or whatever. Um, but they can't direct him cause he does not know he's on a TV show. Uh, but so what do they do in that situation? They obviously can't call cut, but sometimes a part of the shot isn't working or like she hands him something and the way he grabs it, it's hidden from camera or whatever, uh-huh. like important plot points. So basically the director of the show is sitting there while they're filming and he makes a list of all the shots that he's missing. Like we didn't see him, you mm-hmm. know, take the ring from her hand. We didn't see mm-hmm. him put the hat on. We didn't see him look over here when this guy entered that she said is like her ex-boyfriend or whatever. Um, and he makes this list of shots and the way that, have you ever seen that show? Uh, I think I've seen clips you've shown me of Kara doing crazy stuff. Okay, so Kara, so the the idea is like that these actors are trying to keep, are being these horrible dates 
and they're trying to see if they can get their date to leave <laughs> leave the date within 60 mm-hmm. minutes and uh with the male actors that were being horrible dates the girls the real girls would leave like after 15 minutes every time uh but the female actors that had to try to get the guys to leave they would never leave the guys would never ever ever end a date early <laughs> so if they get to 60 minutes what happens is like the actress like Kara would say hey by the way i need to tell you something um i'm an actor everyone in here is an actor and you're on disaster date uh and then all the the friends who was punking them would run out and everyone would run out and the crew would run out and the producers would run to the actor and they'd be like hey can you sign this real quick release form like okay and then the director would come and be like hey that was great you were amazing we didn't get a shot of you handing this thing can you hand a camera guy can you come over here can you get this shot and this person is like in total shock they did not know that they're on a tv show only one time was she ever on a date where the person like started suspecting it because he recognized some of the people from the show because he oh sure um yeah 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 but uh but they literally are picking up these shots that they missed, just the little pieces, with a person that is, as they're shooting, realizing that they were tricked and were on a TV show. And every the last few weeks that they've been corresponding with this person to go on a date with have all been fake. Um, anyway, but I always thought it was like so awesome how like the way they, I mean, it's also horrible, but interesting how they make up for the missing pieces of shots the the glue that they needed to make the scenes work with those in a, real in people a s- similar sort of thing actually one last story and then, <laughs> then we'll go yeah. i've done a number of surprise proposals and uh, stop me if i've told this story on the show or to you already um so you always want to get the authentic uh reactions of the couple and everything and just all the the pure emotion right so most of the time when i'm doing that you know, we got a finite number of cameras. And so basically you're pointing everything is more or less a close-up on the people who are about to get engaged. Um, and then my plan is always, okay, like, okay, do it. And then you come on out and you, you say like, that was so incredible. What if we did it again? And then you have them walk through the, the motions basically for your big whites. And it's like something where you're never really worried about getting the authentic performance uh, pieces. It's the performance. You just want the geography of everything. And I bet you and they're I, probably still so emotional at that point that I, they're probably arguing good performances. They're even better. <laughs> that's what's so incredible because the first time around, you're like... They're like in shock, know, right? They're in their shock. They're like, what's my husband doing in this flash mob? Or my boyfriend doing in this flash mob? Wait, my parents are here? What? And then by the time they've proposed, then finally the emotion hits. And then they relive it five minutes later. They they are more present and more potent. I Half the time I'm like... I catch a glimpse of them and I'm like shouting into the walkie like somebody get me a close up of that face because you realize that everyone is crying even more. I, you know, right. You don't want to do it it's too the much. same experience minus the shock, minus the confusion or the yeah. confusion. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. And it's really, it's a really kind of incredible, strange experience. And then like you end up doing it a couple more times, you know, like you're like, well, wow, this is great. We're just getting better. Um, that's really and they smart. kind of they tip. really like it too. You know what I mean? Like it's such a strange. They're just constantly caught up in the emotion of it. It's really, 
Yeah. The experience of doing a surprise proposal is already quite emotional, you know, like you mm-hmm. have gotten to know and like these people through interviews and all this stuff. And, um, you know, you meet their parents and like you're keeping this big secret from them to then relive it with them multiple times. And also like I have the headset where I can hear all of the people talking. So like right. I can hear what they're saying to their father, like after they propose and stuff. It's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. When, yeah, I feel a little weird about it sometimes. Yeah, I can understand. When I used to work on Fear Factor, we would like be like, okay, can you just eat that tarantula one more time? And one more time, we got another tarantula <laughs> yeah. right here. Eat and that. then they realize, oh, I'm actually eating a giant bug. This is so strange. Yeah, like, and it tastes even better the fifth time. You know what's uh, funny is for a second, I was like, how did I not know you worked on Fear Factor? Yeah, I'm, I'm fibbing. <laughs> You're a scare tactics guy, I get it. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, it's been great chatting. If you have your own thoughts about when to call cut, we would love to hear them. Uh, and any interesting stories about calling cut. Because it's, you know, it's one of our jobs is yeah. to call cut. And I've I've been on both sides of calling it too early and not calling it early enough. Um, and people are looking at the director to kind of be the litmus test of mm-hmm. are we getting the right thing and can we move on and so you also don't want to leave an actor hanging sometimes you'll just like let them keep going and let them see what see what they'll do and they'll be like well can we cut like i'm out of lines yeah you the know? worst is kids because they'll always like they'll be done with their dialogue and then they'll just like look right at the camera like look right that at good? the camera or yeah, like yeah. right at you. yeah yeah I will move my monitor to be closer to where their eye line is meant to be. Like I'll get behind the person they're like, talking to, the person they're talking to or, or off to the side a little bit so that they don't ruin it quite so much. And that happens for people of all ages, frankly. Yeah. All, all sorts of dumb kids in this industry. Um, well, cool. Should we uh, do some unpaid endorsements? Unpaid endorsements. <laughs> Oren, what you got? Okay, so, you know, I don't know what's wrong with me. Part of my procrastination is was over Thanksgiving. It was Black Friday shopping. I got a really good deal on these Sony noise-canceling headphones that I read a lot of great reviews on. Um, but what I found with... Do you have noise-canceling headphones? No, man. I love... Uh, what are the ones that we use with them? The, we have the Sony, like the studio the, ones. The MDR7506s. Yeah. So these are great studio, love headphones. Them. studio love them. headphones. I think the audio quality is like really uh, honest or whatever. It's like what the mm-hmm. audio signal is, is what you hear. There's no bass boost. There's none of that stuff. Um, it's They're full. But, you know, the ones I got are kind of like more like the Bose Beats uh, type mm-hmm. of headphones. Uh, but they're Bluetooth, which is awesome. because They're liars. Is that what you're saying? They try to make the audio sound they, they sweeten the audio i think a little bit um but i find that if i put them in noise canceling mode and then i just put like spotify on or some music like focus music or whatever uh i'm oh you're in the zone i'm yeah even if i'm at home even if my kids here my wife's here my dogs are here the mailman's here the gardener's just forget here about all those losers Shut them out of your life. Yeah, I didn't think. I mean, I know it kind of sounds obvious, but I didn't think I'd worn noise canceling headphones before. But I don't know. I found that like when I'm writing, if I like just put this music on, put these noise canceling headphones on, even if I'm at the Starbucks or whatever, I mm-hmm. just it's like makes me ten per or like thirty percent more engaged with what I'm working on. 
mm-hmm. than not than if I'm just yeah. wearing regular headphones or oftentimes I don't wear headphones at all and I'm just like hearing all sorts of interesting conversations yeah, yeah, around me. Eavesdropping and stuff. Yeah. But I'm not focusing on anything I should be focusing on. So I don't know. Well, the ones I got are um, the Sony WH-1000XM3s. And they, I don't know, a lot of, a lot of people say they're like the, the best noise-canceling headphones. They're kind of always up there with the Bose ones that people like too. So check them out. I really, I really like them, and they're kind of big and bulky, and I was against carrying headphones with me to a coffee shop, but they're cool. Anyway, that's all I got. Um, well, I think you've maybe convinced me. Maybe I'll check it out. My input endorsement is uh, a Netflix series called The Movies That Made Us. I think it's by the same people who did The Toys That Made Us, which is kind of like a VH1 early aughts style documentary series mm-hmm. um, that's really just kind of like cheesy um, DVD extras on like films like Home Alone and Ghostbusters and Die Hard. And I love them. Dirty Dancing. Um, they're 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 really cheesy and really broad, um, but like totally entertaining and mindless enough that you can kind of just put them on and you know pay seventy five percent attention to them. And, and you wait, know, so it's behind the scenes footage, or is it? It's um, it's like the it's a, a a pop documentary about the creation of the film, and so with you know, interviews with the actors and stuff. It's interviews with the actors and filmmakers, and then archival footage, but with like heavy narration like a 90s guy narrator that's like you wouldn't believe the crazy antics that they got up to on and off the set of home alone kevin McAllister was mcal the talk of the town yeah yeah it's like quite broad but i still like it um so if you're not spending a bunch of money on uh blu-rays and uh dvds and you miss (laughs) the the special features of a of a film you know, it's a nice little supplement. Yeah. By the way, I watched 1917 on DVD, standard def. Ooh, standard def. Oh, I know. It hurt my feelings. I know. And it was <laughs> like go. anamorphic, so it was like cropping off the top and bottom. I mean, yeah. probably looked at six pixels, but they were glorious. Uh, Kaplan, killing me. Yeah. Anyway, if you guys want to see links to what we've talked about, you can check out our website, justshootitpod.com. And you can email us, justshootapod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. You can leave us a voicemail, one six two six two shoot one Again, it's one six two six two shoot one We'd love to hear from you. Uh, we are at Just Shoot a Pod across all social media. I personally am at O'Kaplan on Instagram. And I'm at Mr. Matt Enlow on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and all the places. This episode was edited by Jonathan Luna. Our webmaster is Ewan Williams. Music was provided by the Free Music Archive and the artist Jazar, and our additional ad music was by Musicbed. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. Review us on iTunes if you're bored. Thank you. Or not. Even if you're not bored. Just do it. Even if you're not bored. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlingbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 